For months now, the parents' movement has gained steam all around America, storming school board meetings, exposing radical teachers, even deciding the Virginia gubernatorial election. But just as these normal moms and dads think that they are hitting their stride, the peak of their powers, one teacher has taken to TikTok to give everyone a reality check. So I see how you think that you've done something here because parents or community members have voiced concern to their elected official, which is how that process works. Um, not, not bringing it to a teacher, right? They're taking it to the elected official. Um, and now that uh, legislators are, are trying to implement these things. Um, but still, in fact, a parent, not my boss. I don't, I don't actually answer to them. So get bent. So get bent. So arrogant. So radical. So obviously correct. Yes, we can complain to our representatives about radical racial and sexual ideologies in the classroom. Yes, we can go viral at school board meetings and even win some of those seats for ourselves. Yes, we can even occasionally get a particularly insane educator put on, I don't know, administrative leave. But the radicals still run the schools. They still run the classrooms and the administrations and the teacher unions and the training sessions and the curricula and just about everything else in the education system. They've got real power and they intend to hold on to that power no matter what we do at the school board meetings or at the ballot box. These radicals who are raising our kids don't think parents are their bosses because right now at least we're not. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Facto, who says, in the immortal words of Maury Povich, Pierre, you are not the father. (laughs) I think you're referring to Pierre Trudeau, the alleged father of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who bears a very strange resemblance to a a certain uh, Latin American island dictator, a communist by the name of Fidel Castro, who had a very close relationship to the Trudeaus and to Justin Trudeau's mother right around the time that Justin Trudeau was conceived. I don't know. I don't know. In the words of Telemachus, it's a wise man who knows his own father. It's it's unclear. Uh, Justin surely exhibits some of the features of Mr. Castro, but Pierre Trudeau was no walk in the park either. Uh, I think they're all probably cut from the same cloth. Who knows? Who knows? It's a wise man who knows his own father. It's, you got, you got to make sure that you ground your identity in something real and you protect your identity. When you want to protect your identity, I would recommend you check out LifeLock. Keeping your internet connected devices up to date is always a good idea, not just for consumers, but for companies as well. Because when you don't keep them up to date, sometimes cyber criminals can take advantage. There's one bug that's getting a ton of media attention right now. It's called Log4J. Log4J. Cyber criminals can exploit this bug to break into a server and steal data. Every single day, we put our information at risk on the internet. In an instant, a cyber criminal could steal what is yours. Sometimes even harm your finances, your credit, your good reputation. Thank goodness there's LifeLock. Go check out LifeLock today. It helps detect a wide range of identity threats, 
such as your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. They've got a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Head on over right now, get 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash Knowles. That's up to 25% off your first year, LifeLock.com slash Knowles. This teacher who just went viral, uh, uh, the, the one who says, get bent, parents, you're not my boss. She is not the only teacher who is threatening people, who is threatening parents, students, society at large. There's another teacher who just went viral. This from our friends over at Libs of TikTok. Uh, a teacher, a black teacher, who is threatening white people on, purely on the basis of racial animus. Black people, black people, colors only. I got a question. So you ever standing in public, right? You stand in public and you see white people. Do you ever get the urge to just, you know, <laughs> you know, like you're minding your business, like they're kind of minding their business, and you just, just to scare them, just to, just to scare them a little, just scare them a little bit, just to scare them a little bit, just to give them the feeling like today's the day, today's the day that black people start retaliating, just to give them a little bit of the, the burning feeling inside. No, just me. Oh, let me know. Today's the day. Today's the, okay, now I'm going to go teach your kids, your kids of all different races, even the ones that I hate, even, even the students whom I hate on the basis of their race because of my ideology that says that all white people are oppressors and all black people are oppressed. And it, it's an ideology that comes straight out of Marxism, the sort of later stages of 20th century Marxism. Yeah, I'm going to be the ones teaching your kids. Isn't that a good idea? My issue here is not that the teacher is making a joke. I hope it's a joke. My issue here is not even that the teacher is making a racial joke. I think racial jokes are fine. I think jokes about ethnicities and cultures and yes, even races, if they're made in good faith and good fun, are totally fine. My issue here is that the teacher is making comments uh, that are clearly not in good fun, clearly not in good faith, and that the teacher has a very perverse ideology that is going to destroy the education of her students. And so she should not be allowed to teach the kids. She should be fired. Simple as that. Okay, that's how we're going to wield power. The way we're going to wield power is, if yes, we go to the school boards, yes, we complain, yes, we go elect people, but you've, you've got to get into the classrooms. Okay, you've got, it, it goes without saying. I don't even want to say it. It's so lame every time a conservative, but you know, the, what are the conservatives? They say, well, imagine, imagine if the roles were reversed. Imagine if the shoe were on the other foot and you had a teacher. Let's say you had a, I don't know, a Hispanic teacher walking in and saying, hey, whenever you see black people, don't you just want to threaten them? Don't you just want to guy and say, today's the day? Well, of course, that's, that's, not, that's not the way that it works. It's silly and impotent to just complain and say, well, what if, what if the shoe was on the other foot? What if the roles were reversed? That's not the way it is. We are living in a particular circumstance in our classrooms, in our politics, and we need to deal with that. And this teacher teaching students is not going to be good for white kids, not going to be good for black kids, not going to be good for any kind of kids, because this teacher is teaching things that are false, and then also a, a, a real sort of vitriol, a real sort of resentment that is not conducive to education fire the teacher. Simple as that. It's not only radical racial stuff in the classroom, perhaps even more so it's this radical sexual stuff. Another, uh, I'm so grateful to TikTok 
if it is the case that TikTok is not merely Chinese propaganda designed to weaken the West from within and make us all think our culture is crazy, if TikTok is real and these are real people out there going on to social media and expressing their real views, then TikTok is doing a wonderful service. I love, I want I think the government should subsidize TikTok because it's showing us for the first time, perhaps in many, many years, what's actually going on in the classroom. So what one teacher is doing is he's saying, we are going to have a transgender closet in our classroom. And so what's going to happen is the students are going to come to school and then we're going to convince little boys that they're little girls and little girls that they're little boys. And then they're going to come out and they're going to be inducted into our creepy sexual cult. And we're not going to tell their parents. The goal of the transition closet is for our students to be able to wear the clothes that their parents approve of, come to school, and then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are. And I use the idea that this is like Superman changing in a phone booth. But that idea actually goes a lot further than that because Superman isn't Clark Kent. Clark Kent is actually the disguise. And when Clark Kent goes into the phone booth, he transforms into Superman, who's really just who he truly is, Kal-El. And so this gives our trans students the opportunity to be the superheroes that we know they are. What a creepy pervert. I just, <laughs> I don't know who else. He, he, I'm not saying that he has bad intentions necessarily, but he's wrong. He's got a very mistaken view of the world. And you would have to be a creepy pervert to try to obsess over little kids' sexual desires. That's, you just would have, even if you don't know that you're being a creepy pervert, you are. And you shouldn't be in a classroom. You shouldn't be in a classroom because it's weird and it's creepy. And also on the educational front, the, the view that he is giving of human nature, the, his anthropology is just not correct. He's saying that the body has nothing to do with who you really are. That if you're a boy, but you think on some level that you're a girl, that's who you truly are. That's why he uses the Superman Clark Kent analogy. And he's saying it's who you, it's who you actually 100% are and your physical appearance has nothing to do with it. And so we're going to teach kids that. Well, if you teach kids that view of human nature, what you're telling them is you can't believe in Christianity, which says that human beings are body and soul together. You can't believe in Judaism. You can't believe in Islam. You can't, you can't, you can't believe what very likely your parents have raised you to believe. That's all false. Ignore your parents. Ignore your biology. Ignore reality. Ignore your God. Believe our creepy, weird sex cult. And thank you, taxpayers, for paying for it. And by the way, parents, if you have any problem with it, get bent. Maybe the guy's a nice guy. I don't know. Probably he's not, but let's say that he is. It doesn't matter. The stakes are too high here, folks. Classrooms are crystal balls. You look at a classroom, you're looking at your culture in 20 years. Do you want your culture to be one where ordinary, true views of human nature and the, the cultural and religious views that built our entire civilization are banned, are kicked out in favor of convincing your little Johnny that he's really little Jane? No. Fire the teachers. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? All, all we can do, all I can do from my microphone right here at this table is expose this stuff, call it to your attention and ex explain why it's so bad and what the stakes are. Then what some other parents can do is go complain. And that's good. You got to complain. You got to go, you got to bring this to the, the attention of the administrators, of the teachers, of the school boards, but they don't really care. Then you can go and you bring it to the legislators. You can try to kick out the leg, but we've got to gain more power than that. Right now, the left has a total lock on every single institution. 
The, the rot runs so deep. You've got to go in, not even just to the school boards, but into the classrooms. You've got to become teachers. You've got to become administrators. You've got to enter that teacher union. You've got to grab that power back or these creepy pervs are going to destroy the next generation of Americans if they haven't done so already. Not good stuff. Not good stuff. We've got to be able to do things for ourselves. Like for instance, when you want to order auto parts. When I want to order auto parts, I go to rockauto.com. Time is money. Money is money too. And right now, time and money are in short supply because we've got inflation going through the roof and everybody's just trying to scrape by and make ends meet. So what I would recommend is you don't waste time driving to the physical brick and mortar auto parts store and then getting out of the car and then waiting in line. And then you get up to the guy and the guy peppers you with a thousand questions about the auto parts. And then you say, I don't know. I don't know what make and model and this and that. Then he goes in the back. They do not have the part because there's too many parts to stock these days. Then he comes back. He says, yeah, we'll order. It'll be in in two weeks. You go, you drive home, you go home or whatever. Then you drive back. It's a waste of time. Go to rockauto.com. Okay. Rockauto.com. Family business. It's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Super easy to navigate. Even I can do it. That's how simple the catalog is. Same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. No gimmicks. Always reliably low prices. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts that you need for your car or truck. And then, most importantly, write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. The teacher unions are one of the most effective ways that these radical leftists can hold on to power in education, which means the way that they can reshape the entire generation, which means the way that they can reshape the whole country, the teacher unions. And these are some of the most dishonest, corrupt people in the country who run these teacher unions. Give me a great example. Jesse Aguilar. Jesse Aguilar is a board member of the California teacher union, one of the worst in the country. Jesse Aguilar he is insistent that students wear masks in school. The California Teacher Union is insistent that students wear masks in school. It's only, it's responsible. It's for the public health. It's looking out for the greater good. Come on, folks. Don't be so selfish. Put, hey, come on, little kids. Put on those masks. And then Jesse Aguilar just went to the Super Bowl. And he went to the Super Bowl in LA, right? And uh, Jesse Aguilar didn't wear a mask. Because you know, none of these people really believe that the masks do much of anything at all. And even if they do, they realize that it doesn't matter if they wear one. If everyone else is wearing one, then they don't need to wear one. And, you know, it's, look, it's fun. If, if you go to the Super Bowl, probably you're a powerful, wealthy, elite sort of person. So they're all clean, right? It's, you're not really worried about their nice elite germs. They don't really have any germs. It's just the filthy, dirty, poor people. It's just the little, it's the little kids and the people who have just as much power as little kids, which is nothing. You know, the kind of, the waiters, ugh. You know, and the drivers, yuck. Oh, and all the other, those filthy little people, they need to wear their masks. But we, powerful union bosses, we don't need to wear our masks. We celebrities, we elected politicians, we, we don't need to wear our masks because we're clean and we're nice people. And now make sure you put your mask on while you get me my next glass of champagne. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. The reason that the kids are the last group that has to wear the masks, even though the kids are the least likely people to go to the hospital or die or spread COVID-19. COVID why, why is it that the group that is safest from COVID is the last one that has to wear the masks? Because they have the least power. 
The whole thing is about power politics. And the kids are a perfect example because kids, by definition, don't have any power. And you can see this up through every other segment of society, the working classes, political conservatives, for that matter, who don't have any institutional power in this country, which is why whenever we say true things about COVID or any other question, we get censored. And we don't have, we, there's nothing we can do about it. Donald Trump, the sitting president of the United States, didn't have the institutional power not to get booted out of the public square. So little kids, obviously, what are they going to do? They, maybe they'll complain, but who cares? You'll just tune them out. We're all, we are all in the position of those kids right now. And we are all being run roughshod over, specifically by these left-wing teachers, but, but they're the rest of their cohort as well. D.C. is finally listening to some of their voters. They have to. The Democrats know that they are headed for a, an avalanche of Republican votes this November. So they're desperately trying to change course. So D.C., which instituted a draconian vaccine mandate and mask mandate just a month or so ago, where you can't, you can't even go into a restaurant without someone checking your papers. You have to have 75 masks on your face. You got to wear, basically you have to wear a full burqa if you want to go get a beer in Washington, D.C. Well, now they're lifting the indoor mask mandate. They just, they previously announced they were going to lift the vaccine mandate. Now they're going to lift the indoor mask mandate. They're going to lift the indoor mask mandate in uh, restaurants, and bars, and sports, and entertainment venues, and supermarkets, and pharmacies, and retail businesses, and private offices, and government offices, and houses of worship, and strip clubs, and strip clubs. But there's one place they're going to keep the mask mandate. You know where it is? Schools. The little kids with the lowest risk of COVID, catching it or spreading it, they have to mask up but some filthy degenerate, probably politician, if I, if probably member of Congress walking into some dirty, rotten Hunter Biden strip club in Washington, DC doing heaven knows what with people who are probably not the most hygienic and sanitary people in the world. They don't need to wear the mask. That'll be clean. That'll be fine. But little kids trying to learn their ABCs, their reading, writing, and their arithmetic, they need to mask up. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to, the kids are going to complain and the teachers are going to say, who cares? You're a kid. Shut up. Who cares? But the strip clubs, well, there you're going to get politicians complaining. <laughs> there, there you're going to get the president's son complaining. And when the, listen, when the president's son, when Hunter complains, when the big guy complains, when all those dirty, rotten degenerates who want to go to the strip clubs complain, well, then people listen. Why? Because they have more power. So that, yeah, I wish that we lived in a time where politics was a little more reasonable, where it was a little bit more logical, open to reason, a little bit more civil. Politics can always be a bit of a blood sport, but there are times when it's more civilized than at other times. There are times when we, we sort out our problems through reason debate. There are times when we sort out our problems by whipping and caning each other on the steps of the Capitol. And I think we're a little closer to the latter right now than the former. But you've got to accept reality. We are right now, we are in power politics time. That's what the left has told us. The left has said politics is not about reason. It's not about logic. All of those things are just constructs of bigotry and white supremacy and, and all sorts of uh, evil. And so it's not, that's not what po- politics is just about interest groups and enforcing through tyranny of will our desires on the rest of the country. That's what we're saying. So, okay, if that's the way politics is, 
and the left controls every single institution, then we've got to go in and take back those institutions. We've got to build parallel institutions. We've got to go in and take back their institutions. And the ones we can't take back, we've got to defund and politically speaking, legislatively speaking, raise them, knock them to the ground and, and plow the earth with salt where they once stood. Okay. That's what, we sh- that's what we should do in Silicon Valley or in some of the elite schools and the teacher union buildings is metaphorically, fi- figuratively, through legislation, perhaps, uh, get rid of their buildings and salt the earth where they stood. Because as long as they're holding on to power, we can whine and complain until we're blue in the face. It's not going to do anything. Strip clubs get to take their masks off, but the little kids don't. Speaking of stripping, I've got some, I've got some disturbing news. Uh, if you're driving, pull over. If you're standing up, you're probably going to want to sit down. The singer Lizzo, known for very publicly and very emphatically being corpulent and proud of her corpulence, Lizzo wants to strip for Playboy. I'm speechless. I, she was asked by TMZ about Playboy. She said, I love Playboy. I want to strip for Playboy. And I don't, I'm really torn here. I think a lot of conservatives are in a tough spot because it's very rude to say anything mean, certainly about a woman's appearance, but, but really about anybody's appearance. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I want to be polite. I want to be nice. I, 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 no one, but the culture is kind of forcing us to now because the, the leftist culture is dead set on destroying all traditional standards, standards of truth, standards of beauty, standards of virtue and goodness. And they're, they're installing a kind of anti-standard in its place, right? We're told not only are you not allowed to say that men are not women, but you have to say that certain men are women. Not only are you not allowed to say that uh, certain art, let's say the Sistine Chapel, is more beautiful than other art. Uh, say the, the urinal by the modern artist in those stupid modern art museums. Not only are you not allowed to say that, you have to say that the modern art is beautiful. You ha- and, and so we have to, all the billboards now, all of the advertising, used to have smoke and hot women advertising all of the clothing and new products. Now it's actively trying to model things on not the most beautiful stuff. Nobody wants Lizzo to model in Playboy. One, because, you know, it's probably not the most edifying, ennobling thing in the world. It probably wouldn't be great for Lizzo. Probably, but and, but people, people don't want to see that. And it's not, it's not bigoted not to want to see Lizzo naked. It's not, it's not, doesn't make you a bad person that you don't find, if you don't find Lizzo attractive, physically attractive, okay? There is this, there's this amazing misunderstanding of what really matters in life going on here. Because on the one hand, you've got the previously in our society, maybe 20, 30 years ago, you had an obsession with perfecting the body, airbrushing, all these sorts of eating disorders, all these ways to, to plastic surgery, to make yourself look perfect. You have to perfect the body. Now we've moved in completely the opposite direction. People want to distort their bodies through mutilations, through uh, ver- it, sort of insane piercings and tattooing and, and uh, eating disorders in the other direction. So we're, we're, we're focused on basically the same thing, two sides of the same coin. We've got to perfect the body in all ways. When was the last time we talked about perfecting the soul? When was the last time we talked about ennobling ourselves and practicing virtue? And that, that's completely gone 
from the conversation. We're stuck in this crazy materialist trap. You know, one way to get out of these materialist traps is to tune into people who are trying to turn the culture in a different direction. And we're, that would, I, hey, you know, listen, I don't want to toot our own horn, but that's what we're trying to do here at The Daily Wire. We're not even just co- commenting on culture. We are making culture ourselves. We've just released our first original movie, Shut In. Uh, the movie currently has a 100% critic score and a 97% audience score in Rotten Tomatoes. These are shocking numbers. I did, look, I, I, I just thought the critics were going to kill us. And I thought, you know, I thought the audience, our audience would love it, but then the left would go in and bring the numbers down. They can't do it though, because the movie's too good. So if you missed it, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. You can subscribe to the Daily Wire to get shut in to get our next movie, Hyperions, to get our next movie with Gina Carano, Terror on the Prairie, to get all of our shows, to get a whole lot of other content. We're going to keep that content coming. We're going to try to change the culture. Also, you know, the best way to fight the insidious attack on America right now is to expose the source from within. We've got uh, one of Daily Wire's newest projects coming up, The Enemy Within, our new series featuring acclaimed journalist and expert in national threats, Lee Smith. Lee is going to uncover a political coup orchestrated by America's ruling class uh, to generate their own wealth and power at the expense of the American people's safety and freedom. Check out the trailer. What if everything we think we know about our leaders, our society, and our relations with the rest of the world is wrong? America is facing two major challenges. One is the Chinese Communist Party. However, the most significant threat comes from within. You're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world. Okay. Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about. We've already seen evidence of how the elites want to run the United States. They're modeling themselves after Chinese autocracy. For over a decade, the People's Republic of China has stood publicly accused of acts of cruelty and wickedness that match the cruelty and wickedness of medieval torturers and executioners. Diane Feinstein had a Chinese spy as her driver for 20 years. We're not talking about one person infiltrating senior levels at the CIA or the White House. We're talking about an entire elite class throughout the political, corporate, academic, cultural, and media establishment. My name is Lee Smith. I've been a journalist for more than 30 years. This is the most astonishing espionage and infiltration operation in history. What you're going to see in this series will shock you. This is The Enemy Within. The Enemy Within is going to start streaming February 18th only at The Daily Wire. So if you're not a member, head on over right now, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join today. We'll be right back with a lot more. Speaking of Playboy, uh, there are more horrifying reports out about Hugh Hefner. So we covered one a few weeks ago on the show. One of Hugh Hefner's more recent girlfriends said that he's actually an old creep. 
Uh, which shocking, right? This is breaking news. Guy who lives in bathrobe with lots of women and brags about sleeping with them all the time might be sort of a creep. Uh, well, there's there's a new series that's coming out, and uh, one of Hefner's older girlfriends from the '70s tells even more disgusting stories. So Hefner's former girlfriend uh, says that the founder of Playboy was a monster who spoke to her about getting sexual pleasure from watching snuff films. That's films where people get killed and uh, even got, got frisky with one of her dogs, like an actual dog, like an animal. She said, quote, he was like a vampire. He was sucking the life out of me. Really, he was a monster. The things he was turned on by, nothing was enough. Uh, nothing. He would tell the public even good girls enjoy sex, healthy sex, and there was nothing healthy about the sex with Hefner because he took it too far. The reason I mention this is one, also to discourage Lizzo from stripping for Playboy, but two, to, to remind people something that it, it seems obvious until you get the temptation. And the thing is, you can't get around the moral order. You can't get around it. You think you can. So much of modern leftism, modern political ideologies are just about overcoming the moral order through your own will, just overcoming ideas of good and bad, right? Which, which uh, radicals on the left and the right have called a slave morality, bourgeois morality. You've got to overcome all of that and then just do whatever you want all the time and then life's going to be really great. And it's not really great. You can't overcome it. This is why you see celebrities ruin their lives. You think, man, if I were a celebrity, if I were rich and famous, man, I'd have the greatest life. You know, all I, if I just had some more money and a little more fame and power, boy, I'd live the greatest life ever. And then what happens to statistically 100% of celebrities? They get drug addictions, their marriages fall apart, their kids hate them, and they die early. That's what happens to almost all of them. Why? They have every advantage. They have, all, they have all the good things that all the people want because they take it all to excess, because they think that uh, they can overcome the moral order. The rules don't apply to them. The rules don't apply to the elites in the teacher unions or in the government or in the media. The rule, why, why do we have to follow the rules? We're special. It's hypocrisy, of course. But it's, it's a hideous double standard, of course, but it's also destructive for them. Because when we're talking about good rules, when we're talking about the actual moral rules of the universe, they are there for your benefit. They will, if you follow them or try to follow them, you will, that will lead to human flourishing. And if you don't, then you're going to end up a dirty, rotten, filthy, uh, despised degenerate like, like Hugh Hefner. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. Speaking of so this is sort of sexual degenerates, is sort of this theme of the show. Uh, Prince Andrew, the, I'm sorry, former, the, the artist formerly known as Prince Andrew, who got fired from the royal family by his own mother because he was such a sex fiend. Uh, Prince Andrew has just settled his case with one of Jeffrey Epstein's former call girls. So uh, Prince Andrew, uh, they've settled this out of court. He, quote, intends to make a substantial donation to Ms. Jufri's charity in support of victims' rights. And this is the statement put out by Andrew's lawyers. Prince Andrew has never intended to malign Ms. Jufri's character, and he accepts that she has suffered both as an established victim of abuse and as a result of unfair public attacks. It is known that Jeffrey Epstein trafficked countless young girls over many years. Prince Andrew regrets his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Ms. Jufri and other survivors in standing up for themselves and others. Previously, he said, I don't know this woman. I have nothing to do with her. I didn't do it. No, I never did anything bad with Jeffrey. No, the only reason I kept hanging out with him after he got convicted for his kid sex stuff is because I was too good a friend. I'm just too loyal. (laughs) 
You know, and like in a job interview, what's your greatest weakness? I work too hard. I care too much. That was Andrew's first claim. And then it, it was undeniable. He's got photos with this chick. And then so finally he, he says, okay, or never mind. Uh, his mother fires him from the royal family. He loses his titles. He loses all of the perks of being a royal. And now he's got to settle this claim out of court. Notice, notice though, he never accepts responsibility. So what happens here? I imagine he offered this woman a bazillion dollars. He offered her some absolutely jaw-dropping sum of money. She said, okay, fine. It's sort of like you're admitting guilt here and I'll take the money and okay, well, it'll go toward her charity. And Prince Andrew never has to actually admit guilt here, which is too bad. But regardless, it looks really bad. It's really undignified. Okay. And it's just, it's, it's a cautionary tale for everybody. Prince Andrew, born with as much privilege as could be, given the greatest education you could possibly be given. This guy destroys his life and he's the laughing stock of the world because he gave in to his appetites and temptations. Don't be that guy. Don't get fired by your mom. That's really embarrassing, okay? And the, the only really, really sad thing about this, the, the way the Epstein case is resolving with these out-of-court settlements and, and the sealing up of the black book during the Ghislaine Maxwell case, is I want to know who else. I want to know who else, and I want to know who else for sure, and I want details, and I want these people who flew on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, who, look, I'm sure there were people who flew on his plane and knew Jeffrey Epstein who were completely innocent. Really, the reason for that is Jeffrey Epstein was throwing money around. He was donating to a lot of very big charities and foundations, and so a lot of people met him in high society who probably had nothing to do with the girls. But a lot of them did have something to do with the girls. And I want to find out who they are and I want the details, but they're probably just going to get away with it. They're probably just going to get away with it because the ruling elite have power and we're on to them, right? We know what they're up to. They know that we know what they're up to. And we know that they know that we know what they're up to. But it doesn't matter because they still have the power. And we're going to need to do, we're going to need to do a lot more than just win some elections or make some documentaries or post some things on social media. We're going to have to do a lot more to get actual political power back and then have the confidence to wield that political power. We're going to, we're going to, now speaking of epidemics, it's a little bit of a hard transition, but speaking of just filth pervading our culture, Omicron, Omicron is uh, that's the latest one, you know, that's spreading around and we're supposed to shut down the world for that. Well, they said, okay, we're going to shut down the world until we get an, a vaccine for Omicron to stop that surge. Well, they're trying to get a vaccine for Omicron, except the early tests from the new Omicron vaccine show that they do, the vaccines don't do anything more than the vaccines that already exist, which isn't very much when it comes to Omicron. According to David Montefiore, the director of the Lab for AIDS Vaccine Research and Development at Duke's Medical Center, who's been researching now COVID vaccines, he says, what we're seeing come out of these preclinical studies in animal models is that a boost with a variant vaccine doesn't really do any better than a boost with the current vaccine. But of course, of course, if you were betting, uh, this time they're going to be right. This time, they've been wrong about every other aspect of, of the virus from the origin of the virus, to the mitigation measures for the virus, to the time label table for vaccines, to the efficacy of the vaccines, to the this, to the that, to the every single thing. But now they'll be right. 
If you believe that, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. It doesn't matter, by the way. So there was never going to be a great, there is not a great vaccine. There is not a vaccine that does all the things that they said the vaccine would do, which includes stopping infection and transmission. We don't have that. So there was never a great, perfect vaccine. There was never going to be a great vaccine for Omicron. And by the way, it wouldn't matter if there were, because there's just going to be another variant. They're already talking about the next variant. They're, they're making a vaccine for the variant that's about to go away and there's going to be a new variant because it's a virus and that's what happens. It's just going to go on and on and on. And those of us who are still, I mean, I, I suspect most people listening to this show don't believe the Fauci's of the world anymore if they ever did. But for the vast majority of people, it's, they're Charlie Brown with, and with Lucy in the football. They say, oh, but this time I'm going to let you kick it, Charlie Brown. Okay, I can't wait to get the Omicron vaccine. Then, then, it'll, then we can go back to normal. I'll just wear 10 more masks for 10 more days. And then, oh, and then what happens? She pulls the football away. It's maybe time to change strategy a little bit here. Okay, because if we keep playing by the same old playbook, we're going to end up in exactly the same place. They just keep getting away with it. Hillary Clinton. I can't, it's amazing that we're talking about all of these other things. When Maybe the most egregious political scandal in our nation's history just took place, just was proven, and the media are blacking it out. What's that? The, the scandal that just took place is that Hillary Clinton associates were spying on Donald Trump, as he said, as the media and the establishment denied, spying on Donald Trump when he was a candidate in his home where he was running his campaign, and as president. They were spying on the sitting president of the United States and trying to frame him for colluding with the Russians, which is something the Democrats themselves had been doing for a hundred years. And Hillary Clinton was behind almost all of it. And no one's talking about it. There was one woman who confronted Hillary as Hillary was walking into her apartment building. She was her apartment building or her house. I can't quite tell. She was walking wherever she was going. I'm sure the Clintons had plenty of properties. She was walking in and, and the woman said, hey, Hillary, what, you got caught spying. You got caught spying. What does Hillary do? She laughs. Hillary, Laura Collins, Daily Mail. Did you pay to spy on the Trump campaign? When are you going to comment on the spying allegations, Hillary? Did you pay for the having spied on? Hillary, are you going to comment on this major scandal that you are not only involved in, but behind that was just shown in a DOJ report from John Durham? Was Hillary, ha ha, hi, ha ha, hi, bye, bye, see you. And she waves it off. Good on this woman for confronting Hillary. Why isn't every journalist in America outside Hillary Clinton's door right now? How it, why is Hillary Clinton even allowed to walk to her front door? There aren't so many news crews and, and cameras and vans parked out front trying to get comment on very possibly the most egregious political scandal in our country's history. Because they're all on the same team. They're all in on it. CNN and NBC and ABC and the New York Times and Washington Post, they, they don't care. They're not, they're, not, they're not reporters. They're not investigative journalists. They're just on the team. And there's one set of rules for the team. And there's another set of rules for the rest of us. And they've got the institutional power and we don't. So the best we can muster is some lady showing up with a cell phone saying, Hillary, give me an answer. They, they laugh at us. They laugh at Hillary Clinton is laughing at that woman and laughing at us. Justin Trudeau up in Canada, Cas Justin Castro up in Canada is laughing at us. There was a clip, it just resurfaced 
of Justin Trudeau was asked which country he most admires in the world. No, it's not Cuba. That would have been funny if he said Cuba. No, it's not Cuba. The answer is somehow even worse. Do you, do you know which country Justin Trudeau most admires? China. Even with Sun TV watching for any slip, he was asked which country he most admired and referred to China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted uh, that I find quite interesting. When people tell you who they are, you should believe them. <laughs> Justin Trudeau is telling you exactly what he thinks. He's not making a joke. He's, he's telling the truth. This, is not, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's been paying attention to what the left has been doing in our country and in our civilization for a long time now. They want to move away from democratic accountability. They want to move away from our constitutional order. They want to move away from our traditions in America. And they want to move toward a centralized technocratic hierarchy that doesn't need to answer to the people because the people are filthy, dirty, rotten idiots, according to the left. And only the genius, elite, guru, expert Dr. Fauci's know how to run our country. Never mind that Fauci's gotten pretty much every major issue wrong for the last 40 years. But he's, he's got really impressive credentials. And he talks in a really, a very erudite, but, but still folksy and charming way. And so we've got to just listen to him and whatever. And look, you might not like it, but trust me, he's right in the end. What, do you want the people running your country? Of course, China's the model. What is China? It's communist, and the left has had a love affair with communism for a very long time. But even more than that, it's technocratic. It's just run by the experts. The left openly loves that. And it's atheist. And the left openly loves that. And the left hates Christianity, and the left hates traditional religious views, and they've been trying to overcome them for well over a century now. And they've largely succeeded, at least in the public square. So of course they love China. And of course they don't want to call out China for unleashing this pandemic on the world. And frankly, they probably think they stand to benefit from the pandemic. They do. That's not a conspiracy theory. You might have heard, especially if you're reading left-wing sort of main, mainstream sources, that there is a conspiracy theory called the Great Reset, that the global elites, that can you believe these rube conservatives? They think the global elites love COVID because it's giving them an opportunity to have a great reset of the world. What a crazy conspiracy theory that you can read about in those exact words on the World Economic Forum website. The World Economic Forum is, is an organization that was founded some years ago. It's been, it's been around for a long time now to bring together the corporate and political and media elites from all around the world to figure out how to transform our backwards, traditional nation states, national order into a more globalized, cosmopolitan, secular, multicultural, which is really monocultural because you're erasing all the actual cultural differences between different countries, to just turn it into this wonderful technocratic future. The World Economic Forum, on one of their webpages titled The Great Reset, says, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. This according to Professor Klaus Schwab, 
the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. And they say, you know, you can follow, follow insights on how we can recover from COVID-19 to build a healthier, more equitable, and more prosperous future. What is the World Economic Forum? I don't know. It's just really powerful people flexing their power. Where is the World Economic Forum in the Constitution? No, nowhere. Where, where, where's the World Economic Forum in our system of government? No, it's not, it's not written down, but it exerts a lot of influence. Certainly the people who show up to it have a lot of influence. They're the leaders of the world, not only in politics, but in culture, in private business, in really sort of public business. The distinction is a little blurry. In education, in all over. They're focused on education too. The World Economic Forum just released a video on how important it is to defend critical race theory. What is critical race theory and why is it so controversial, they write. Supporters of CRT say it's a way to understand and tackle racial inequality. However, opponents CRT say CRT does the opposite. So what is CRT? The theory was first developed by U.S. legal scholars in the 1980s. It argues that the laws, rules, and regulations that govern society today have been shaped by the historical subordination of people of color. And that this is a driving force behind racial inequality today. We got the nice music. Do, 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 do. Take the U.S. criminal justice system, for example. While everyone is seen as equal under the law, black Americans are imprisoned at five times the rate of white Americans. That's what they're. They, they say this disparity is a legacy of America's racist past. Notice they don't. They don't talk about. They don't talk about like crime rates. They just talk about imprisonment rates. Supporters of CRT say that the opponents miss the point. They say a system doesn't need racists working within it to produce racially imbalanced outcomes. And so it's really just built into the system and it's really awful. So what, what the World Economic Forum is trying to do is just what the libs always try to do, which is present their extremely radical views and their radical agenda to completely reset the world as just a kind of moderate idea. Look, we're taking all sides. We're really inclusive. We're really open-minded and we're going to take, and, and we're going to listen to the CRT supporters and we're going to listen to the CRT opponents. And it just so happens that the CRT opponents are awful, disgusting, vile bigots who should never be heard ever again. And, and the CRT supporters are, and that's what we're going to do. And we have all the business leaders and we've got all the political leaders and all the media leaders and all the elites from every segment of society all over the even semi-civilized world. And we're just going to kind of do it. And because we're a non-governmental organization, and because we're working through lots of N- other NGOs, you're not even going to really have much say in it. Because it's not, it's not going to be the Congress that's passing this stuff. It's going to be the corporations that show up to, I'm, I don't mean even just a single at the World Economic Forum. It's going to be the people who show up to this and similar sort of events and organizations. They're going to push it through their businesses. They're going to push it through their corporate trainings. They're going to push it through the classrooms. They're going to push it through. And you're not going to say nothing about it. It's a reset. You want to talk about a reset? Van Jones. Van Jones is a, a CNN analyst. He's, as far as left-wing analysts go, he's one of the more honest ones. He admitted early on, though it was on a hidden camera, that the Russia stuff with Donald Trump was just completely bogus. He said it was a nothing burger. And then, but then he had to walk it back because TV cameras showed up. Uh, so Van Jones is resetting not just his politics, but his personal life. He says, after the COVID lockdown, I got clear that I wanted another kid. I discovered that my friend Noemi also wanted a baby. So we decided to join forces and become conscious co-parents. It's a concept that I hope more people will explore and consider. 
This month, we welcome to Earth a baby girl whom we will raise as co-parenting partners. This is a special time for our families. I feel grateful, joyful, and blessed as we create a safe and loving environment for this blessed young soul. I respectfully ask for your privacy. Thank you for all the love and support. So Van Jones already has two kids with his ex-wife, and uh, they were married in 20, 2005. They divorced uh, four years ago. And so he says, well, we'll continue raising our kids together, running our businesses together, and supporting each other's growth. This is what Van Jones and his ex said in a joint statement. There's no beef or drama, just evolution. It's no, it's no drama, okay? Yeah, he's going to, he had kids and with his wife, and then the family split up, and he abandoned his family. And then he's going to co-parent, he's going to consciously co-parent with his friend, because he, he wants another kid. He, he wanted to get another kid. And it's cool, and there's no drama. It's just what he wants, and it's fine. It's evolution. There's no drama. There, I bet there's drama for the kids. Okay, I don't want to get involved in someone's personal life, but he's making it public, and he's a public figure. This is a really pressing public political question. This is extremely selfish and wrong. This actually ties in to the most important story today. We don't have a ton of time to get into it, but I have to bring up the most important story is Kanye. Kanye. Kanye right now is in the process, potentially, of this divorce with Kim Kardashian. They've got these kids, and he's saying, I want to get back with my family. I want my family to come back to me. Please don't break up our family. And Kim Kardashian is dating that derelict from Saturday Night Live. And so Kanye is making fun of the guy. He keeps calling him skeet. And he says, for for everyone married, hold your spouse close. Make sure they know how much you love and appreciate them, because there's a skeet lurking in every dirty ASS alley waiting to help destroy your family and walk around in Calvin Klein's around your children. I wish my wife was with me and our children sitting at the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl. I in in the battle here between Team Kanye and Team Team Kim and Team Skeet. I guess he has his own team. I am 100% Team Kanye. He's right. It's an actual important question. I know most people don't care about celebrity drama and tiffs. It's an important question because what Kanye is articulating is the traditional view that marriage is a covenant. It's a compact. You don't get to just break it up willy-nilly over nothing. Family matters. Family is the basic building block of society. And Kim Kardashian is representing the modern view of, hey, she just put this in Vogue magazine. I'm in my 40s. I'm just going to make all the choices that I want to make. And I don't really care what my kids want. I don't care what my husband wants. I don't care what anyone else wants. It's just me, 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 me. And if I want to date Skeet, I'm going to date Skeet. That's the wrong view. It is going to destroy our culture. It already has largely destroyed our culture. Stand with Yeezy. Okay, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire, where we bring you all the news that you need to know in 15 minutes or less. Join me and my co-host, Georgia Howe, for daily coverage of all the biggest stories on Morning Wire.